Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. All right. All right. Hey, I've always wanted to do this. I've always... Hey, good morning to those of you online. I've been wanting for a long time to do this. Um, I feel like Monty Hall. If you can produce a dozen donuts, no. Hey, hello, everyone. I just wanted to greet the people online because sometimes they feel uh, a little disconnected. Oh, I got oop. Okay. Don't you feel like you're at King's Island? Okay. Hey, so seriously, though, uh, you saw the announcement about the church picnic. I hope. Whether you're online uh, or in the room, if you can join us uh, Sunday at 4 o'clock, it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun to gather, uh, uh, to, uh, to eat food, and just to be together as a church family. So I hope you can make it. Uh, hey, so this weekend I'm wrapping up our series. Uh, if uh, you missed any of this series, or if you want to review any series that we've done, just go to vcdc.org or you can uh, download our new church app, Church Center Online, if you don't know how to do that. We have information at the info counter, but the series is entitled The God Who Leads, and we've been learning, looking at different ways that God leads us, that God directs us through this life, the big decisions, the, the little decisions, etc. So we started by looking at commanding scriptures, the Word of God, the Bible, which is God's primary source of guidance. Then we looked at the compelling spirit, the Holy Spirit. The you know, very personal, powerful, and let's be honest, mysterious presence of God within us to, to guide us. Last weekend, I thought Heather did a wonderful job looking at uh, council, the council of saints. This weekend, I'm going to be wrapping up by looking at uh, circumstantial signs and, uh, and common sense. And throughout this series, it's been uh, really fun to hear from, from many of you, uh, just, just hearing about very practical takeaways that you've had from different talks in this series. And that's super encouraging to me because what, what we, most of us don't need is more information. Uh, but what all of us do need is to put what we do know into practice, if that makes sense. And, and as we wrap up this series, if I could make one wish or if I could uh, pick one takeaway for everybody in the room, for everyone who's, uh, who's watching online, it would be this, that, that from this series we would all take away uh, really to, to hear, to embrace, and to put into practice the incredible invitation from God to guide us through every day of our lives, that we'd really take that to heart. Uh, a, a scripture that we've been looking at many times in this series, Psalms 32 verse 8 says this, it says, the Lord says, this is his plan, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life, I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Like that scripture really captures God's invitation. Hey, I want to guide you. I want to, I want to advise you in this life. But it, you'll notice I underlined those three words, uh, do not be. Because those three words basically are implying that we, we have a choice in the matter. We, we can be in this life uh, like a stubborn animal, if you will, uh, uh, resistant to being to leadership and, and or to being led and uh, really wanting our own way, or we can take him up on his invitation and be led by him uh, through this life. Here's a uh, here's a visual, I think a helpful visual of what God is inviting us into. Let's look at the first picture. 
Okay, what is that? That is a corn maze. I mean, fall is soon upon us. Pumpkin spice latte, woo! And, uh, but soon, you know, there's going to be these popping up all over Ohio. Let's go to the next, the next uh, picture. This is, like, to me, a corn maze is a lot like life. Because so much of life is, is just, we can't, we can't see over the tall corn. I mean, so much of life is confusing. We don't know, do we go left? Do we go right? I mean, I'm not sure. I can't really see. So before we go to the next picture, the choice in this life is who do you want to guide you through this life? Let's go to the next picture. Like, who would you pick to guide you through this life? The man on the right is the, the tallest man alive right now. He's eight feet three inches. So who, and the other guy's like an average sized man, but in this life, who would you rather have take your hand and lead you through the corn maze of life? Well, of course, it's common sense. Uh, You would take the hand of the gentleman that's like over eight feet tall. You would take the hand of the one who can see up over the corn maze of life. You would take the hand of the one whose perspective is, is high above uh, you know, the, what is confusing for us, and I think that's a, a helpful picture of God's invitation uh, to each one of us for every day, for every situation in this life. So uh, let's pray, and then we're going to look at these final two ways that God leads us. Let's pray. So Lord, I thank you for uh, your presence here. I thank you for uh, just that you're a God who loves to come close. I thank you that you know each one of us, and I pray, I pray that you would surprise us with your presence tonight. Lord, uh, just come do what you want to do. We welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, number one, if you're a note taker, number one is circumstantial signs. And uh, again, the title of the series is The God Who Leads. And uh, like I said earlier, my hope for all of us is that, you know, our takeaway from this series would be a greater belief in a greater expectation of, and a greater response to uh, God's guidance in our everyday lives. And years ago, I remember taking a a course uh, where I learned about a theological belief known as deism. Have you ever heard of deism? Like the letter D-E-ism. Deism is basically a belief belief in a God who who created the world and, and, and then has since really remained aloof remain disconnected, really indifferent to the world that he, that he created. And I remember the professor taught it this way. It's like, it's like God sort of wound the clock of humanity. He wound it up, and then he, just, then he just set it down, and now God is passively watching, passively just letting it unwind from afar. You know, it's deism. He's, he is not involved at all. Listen to this quote. One way in which the secular mindset has made inroads into the Christian community is through the worldview that assumes that everything happens according to fixed natural causes and God, if he is actually there, is above and beyond it all. He is just a spectator in heaven looking down, perhaps cheering us on, but exercising no immediate control over what happens on earth. That's deism. Historically, however, Christians have had an acute sense that this is our Father's world and that the affairs of people and nations in the final analysis are in his hands. You know, as we wrap up this series, I want to ask you to just consider, think about your own life. Think about, you know, I don't know, this last week, month, year. Like, is the God you believe in, is he uh, close? 
and involved in your life? Or is the God you believe in, is he distant and, and aloof, just sort of standing at a distance, watching life, watching you uh, unrival? Thankfully, the Bible teaches that, that the plan of God is to be a God that's very involved in our lives, leading us through these lives. And so when we talk about circumstantial signs, what we're really talking about are, is God leading us through this life through circumstances. That's the name. Through the different events of our lives. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says this. It says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You know, something when we talk about, you know, being led by God and just this invitation, all this promises to guide us through this life. One thing to remember is that, like, the, the, God's plan isn't that because of him, you know, wanting to lead us, it means that we now turn our brains off. We sort of, you know, put the clutch in of our lives and go into neutral. That's not what it means. I mean, God still wants us to, to put in the work of thinking and of, and of planning. Throughout the Bible, we are commanded to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our soul, wherever your soul is, and, and to love him with all our minds. So, we, you know, so planning is right and it's a good thing. But as we make our plans, God will many times you know, guide us into what he wants by the different circumstances along the way in our lives. And I remember uh, years ago, this was like uh, uh, probably six months before we decided like, yes, we are going to move to the States. And I remember I was out for a walk and uh, I was praying and just asking God for guidance. And I was really anxious. And I'm like, well, what do we do? Like, this is a big deal. Like, we're going to pack up and move to the U.S. Do they speak English in the U.S.? They do. You do very well, actually. But, <laughs> but, but seriously, like, I was like, I was so afraid of making the wrong decision. I mean, what do we do? And, and as I was walking along this trail, you know, just imagine it's like eight feet wide, a dirt trail by a river, and I'm walking along, and all of a sudden I look uh, down at the trail, and there's a line of ants going across the trail. You know how they'll, you know, they're all in a line. And I just stopped, and I was looking at it, because I think that's cool, and, and I, I just had this sense that the Lord said, hey, why don't you pick one of those ants? And, and so I just kind of leaned down, and I looked at one of the ants, and I kind of focused in on this little guy, and I just sensed from the Lord that he said, hey, if you wanted to get that ant from there over to there, how would you do it? And I thought, well, that would be easy. I just kind of, you know how you can do that when you tease bugs? <laughs> but I would just kind of, you know, put my foot or my hand. I could block his way or open his way. And then I remember thinking, and you know, if this little guy doesn't respond to my guidance, I am so much bigger than he is. I could just reach down, pick him up gently, and place him right where I want him. And when I thought that it was like, ding, the light went on. And I felt like God said, Michael... Like, how hard do you think it is for me to get you where I want you to be? And when we talk about, you know, this kind of guidance, circumstantial guidance, we typically use the language, and if you grew up in the church, you've heard this a lot of God opening and closing doors, right? Like what I would have done with that little ant. And I remember back in the 80s, there was a popular song uh, sung by a guy named Dallas Home. Remember that? Uh, when God closes the door... Look for a window. Do you remember that song? Do you remember that? It was big. And I added a verse. And if that window is closed, well, you should just smash it. Right? That was my, 
Dallas didn't sing it that way. His was way more thoughtful, but I thought that'd be great. But that was, I guess, in Canada, a popular song. And, uh, but that's very biblical. Like you see that throughout the Bible, that God guides us through the circumstances of life. We see it in the life of Paul in the New Testament. He's a, you know, he's a missionary, church planner, just an amazing guy. We see God guiding Paul through circumstances through open, opening and closing doors, 1 Corinthians 16, Paul says this. He says, but I will stay at Ephesus until the day of Pentecost. Why? Why, Paul? Well, because a door has opened wide for me to do some good work here. So God can lead through open doors. God can lead through closed doors. Acts 16, verse 7, it says this. They came to the border of Messiah. This is Paul and his, and his, and his entourage. Uh, from there, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not let them. Closed door. So they passed by Messiah, then they went down to Troas. Now, you know, when I read those two verses, I thought, I'm sure you'd agree. Come on, Paul. Why don't you elaborate a little bit? Like, 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 what do you mean? Like, what do you mean a door has opened wide for me? What do you mean that the spirit would not let them in? I mean, obviously, we're not talking about actual doors. Like, I was trapped in a room in Ephesus. And so, like, I mean, that's, we're not talking about real doors, but what we are talking about is, Something happened. Something happened where, where there was either some type of resistance or there was some type of flow, some type of drawing invitation uh, that God used to guide them. And, and here's a little, let me just do a little sort of fine print. Uh, uh, when we talk about this kind of guidance, about you know, open, closed doors, etc., it is so important uh, that this method of his guidance is joined with uh, some of the other methods that, that we've been looking at. So for instance, like to, to take this one and combine it with you know, the word of God, to, inv- you know, to invite the Holy Spirit's wisdom into it, to, to uh, you know, invite the counsel of a trusted friend, because let's be honest, when it comes to circumstantial signs, events in our lives, if you want something really bad, or if you don't want something really bad, well, you can, you can read anything into your circumstances. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm least, I know I sure, I sure uh, do that. I mean, I remember, uh, again, uh, years ago, wanting something so badly that uh, uh, God literally, by closing a door, really uh, made his will clear. I, this was when, um, when we used to be down at Vineyard Columbus, down at the big house, we like to call it. Uh, and I, I was, you know, I was coming to the end of my, my time there working at Columbus. And I, of course, I'm looking for a job. And uh, that was a pretty big thing. And Helen and I had gone to an interview at a wonderful church in uh, Vineyard Church in, in Phoenix. And let me tell you, being in Phoenix, Arizona in the wintertime, and uh, you're walking around with a T-shirt on, I'm like, Look at Helen like, did you hear the Lord? I sure did. Yes, we knew, let's, you know, let's sell the house. That wasn't, we didn't even have to pray about that one. But so we went there and everything went really well. And after our final interview with the senior pastor, we were shaking hands. And, and I remember thinking, oh yeah, it's a done deal. Like sell the house. And I found out later that he thought the same thing. It's a done deal. Uh, but I also found out later that God didn't think it was a done deal. And uh, in the wee hours of the morning, the day that this uh, gentleman was going to call and offer me the job, God woke him up and said, uh, basically said, hey, uh, you do not want to hire him. Uh, In fact, if you hire him, it will be a mistake. 
and bless this guy for his obedience because I remember, I can still remember where I was standing in my office down at Columbus. I think there's a stain there, but I still remember when I heard, that's not in my notes. I won't say that tomorrow. Naomi can edit that, but, but you know, I remember, but I remember when, when he told me, literally, I fell apart inside because I wanted this so bad. I wanted it so bad. And I, like, I remember, I remember respectfully, but very immaturely, if that's a word, pushing back or, or like really trying to open, like, come on, it's, you know, like trying to reopen this door that God had closed. But, but I was wrong. And, you know, in this, there's a really a life principle in, in this little story, like following the God who leads, right? Following the God who's eight feet, three inches through the corn maze, following the God who leads in this Like in the story of your life, which God has all mapped out and planned, in the story of your life that God is writing, we, we need to learn that we cannot base the entire story on, on that one page that we're on right now, or that one paragraph that we're in, or that one sentence that you're going through right now, or that one event, or that one closed door. Because, you know, now as I stand here today, when I think back to that story with Arizona, I think you know, God, I I think you're pretty smart because I can't imagine not being here. But I certainly didn't see that then. In fact, I thought it was totally a mistake. So let me, like, you know, as I look around the room, like, what are you going through right now where maybe a door has shut in in your life? What are you, like, maybe it's at work. Maybe the the promotion, maybe the raise, maybe like like something that you've really wanted. It's just not happening. Maybe it's in a, in a relationship. Maybe, you know, uh, just something in your life that you want so bad, but it's like nothing you can do is making it happen. It's a closed door. Like, like could it be, could it be that God is, is guiding you through that closed door? Or maybe, or maybe it's a, a door has opened. Maybe you've had a phone call or an email from someone, you know, letting you know about a job or letting you know about some opportunity that's just stirred you up inside and, you know, really fired up your adventure spirit. Maybe you've met someone, whatever it is. I'm not saying all of that is God, but I'm, I am saying that it could be. And so when we talk about circumstantial signs, a good question would be, so how are you responding, if this applies to you, to the closed or open door right now in your life? Like, are you oh, trying to, you know, trying to reopen the door that has been closed? Like, if this applies to you now, now before you get too far down the line, now is a great time to talk to God about it and then to listen to him. Now is a great time to talk with a trusted friend and then to listen to that friend, to invite them into, not just into the decision, but invite, invite you into the response that you're having to what you're experiencing, the closed or open door. Of course, inviting them into the decision-making process. Prayer with God and vulnerability with a trusted friend uh, can help bring clarity as we're trying to discern the circumstantial signs, if that's that's what it is. Uh, Prayer with God and vulnerability with a friend can also protect us from ourselves, can also protect us from our short-sighted wanting which can totally get in the way of, of making the wise decision. I read this phrase recently, and it brings us to our next point. Uh, the desire for instant gratification is the enemy of common sense. The desire for instant gratification is the enemy of common sense. First point, circumstantial signs. The next point, 
And our final point is uh, common sense. Common sense. And so I alluded to this earlier that, you know, when we become Christians, when we become followers of Jesus, um, it doesn't mean that we now abandon our brains. It doesn't mean that we now abandon our use of, of common of common sense. The Christian life is one of never-ending dependence on God. Like, it, it doesn't matter how, how old you get. It doesn't matter how smart you get. It doesn't matter how rich you get. It doesn't matter how accomplished you get. You and I are built, are wired uh, to always need God, right? The branch always needs the vine, no matter how fruitful no matter how fruitful it is. So, so in this dependence on him, though being dependent on him doesn't mean that we aren't meant to also, you know, grow in our understanding. I mean, love the Lord our God with all our minds to grow and mature in our own thinking. And I, you know, as I was working on my talk, this, I, my, my, our boys came to mind. We have two sons. And I just thought about when they were little guys, how uh, they were like totally dependent on us, like for everything, for everything. Uh, but then as they grew a little bit and as they learned some life skills over the years, it, like it's, it's, it's just been a real joy, but it's also been a, a relief when they start doing things on their own, right? When they would say please and thank you and I no longer had to remind them. That was just a few days ago, right? Or when, when they would clean up their toys or clean their room on their own or they could go potty on their own or they could, they could feed themselves. I mean, as a parent, it was just a wonderful thing to, to watch your child, you know, learn some basic life skills and be able to make some decisions on and on. But here's something I noticed as a parent. No matter how old my kids get, no matter how much they learn and grow and mature, they're still my kids. They'll always be my kids. And just because they're growing in their common sense, that doesn't mean that our relationship is shrinking at all between, you know, parent and child. In fact, I would say, I would say it's the opposite. It's, it's really getting sweeter, our relationship. You know, we are living, doing life together more now than, than we ever have. And, and, and so growing in our common sense and our understanding does not make us independent of God. It actually connects us more to him. It's not a moving away. It's really more of a drawing closer. And, and so let me, let me uh, talking about common sense, let me, let me talk about a definition of common sense. So according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, common sense is this, bing. Sound and prudent judgment based on a simple perception of the situation or facts. So that may or may not be helpful to you. Uh, here's another definition. Common sense is the collection of prejudices acquired by age 18. That's Al Einstein. How about this one? Common sense is something that everyone needs, few have, and none think they lack. Benjamin Franklin. If you like that one, you'll like this next one. Common sense is like deodorant. The people who need it most never use it. <laughs> okay, now you're listening. So, okay, let me read this. Common sense is a common understanding about life, about how to act, how to respond in different situations, how to act to respond towards each other. And like, uh, uh, that would be common. Common meaning common to a community, common to a culture, common to a nation. Right, like the majority of people in this community, this culture, this nation would generally think this way about these issues. I think you could call that common, common sense. But what happens? What happens when common sense becomes relative sense? 
And what I mean is this, what happens when there's a fracturing within a community? What happens when there's a fracturing within a culture or a fracturing within a nation regarding our common understandings uh, about life? Like what happens when someone, sorry, what happens when common sense is no longer common? Like what happens when, when, when what makes sense to me as an individual now now, that's my common sense. That's what, you know, relative sense. So I, I read an interesting article this week called, uh, called 1968, The Year That Changed America Forever. It's quite a, quite a title. And the premise of the article was it, it was it was comparing 1968, which was a very tumultuous, pivotal year, to what we've been going through and what we are going through right now. The article said that many Americans, and this, I quote, thought the country was having a nervous breakdown. That kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Uh, You know, we had the Vietnam War, um, cultural values being questioned, civil rights protests. We had the assassinations of Reverend Martin Luther King, Robert Kennedy, issues of gender, the battle of the sexes, uh, a growing distrust of authority, of government, of, of parents. The growing power of the media, TV, newspaper to, to influence the common people. Like, does that not sound super familiar? Like, doesn't that sound like what we're going through right now? Listen, listen to this quote. Historians say America nearly lost its mind and soul. In other ways, historians argue the nation reinvented itself and became a more tolerant, less constrained place, more willing to let people express their individuality and challenge authority. Overall, the upheavals of that year, both positive and negative, made it clear that once social change reaches a critical mass, it can't be stopped. Now, whether or not you agree with that, I think it's accurate to say that common sense has been fracturing. You know what I mean by that, right? Common sense has been changing, not just in the last couple of years, not just since 1968, but really that has been happening since almost the beginning of time. Like imagine, you know, Genesis 1 or, you know, the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. It was just perfect. Everything was in harmony. Like, you know, like humanity and nature. I got, I got stung by a bee last week. You wouldn't, get, you wouldn't have got stung by a bee in the Garden of Eden because there's like, oh, pardon me, little bee. I mean, it's just everything was in harmony with, with nature, with people, Adam and Eve. I mean, you know, just everything was just the way it was meant to be. Everything was, was perfect between God and, and humanity. Everything was just, you know, perfect. And in the Garden of Eden, common sense was, it was actually very simple. Common sense was, well, we just do what he says. Common sense. We, we do what he says. It was very, very simple. But as soon as Adam and Eve chose their own way, common sense became relative sense. And we as humans have done that, choosing our own way again and again and again through 1968 all the way up to 636 here, whatever the date is today, I can't remember right now. But, but so now, like common sense, relative sense is, well, well it's how I was raised. Like for me, common sense is what I desire. That's common sense, isn't it? Isn't that like common sense is what I'm comfortable with? Common sense is, is what makes me feel safe. But you can see like there's this fracturing that's gone on and on and on and on and on. So, so what needs to happen to, to mend this fracturing? Or, you know, as we wrap up the series, 
you know, what I'm really trying to say is we've gotten out of step when it comes to common sense. We've gotten out of step with the God who leads. So how is it then, how do we get back into step with the God who leads? Like, do we need to go back, you know, to the way it was before COVID? Uh, you know, do we need to go back before so-and-so was elected? I'll let you fill in that there. I don't know what, what you would say there. Do we need to go back before 1968? That'll clean it up. That'll, that'll get us back on track. Well, I would say that the Bible would, would also say that what we need to do is get back to before Adam and Eve chose their own way. And I don't mean in time. I mean in heart attitude. <clears throat> we need to get back to the place of willful joyful submission to the one who is able to lead us through the corn maze of life. We need to get back to a place of simple trust that what he says is always right. What he says is, is, is what we're to do. And, and really, what he says isn't just common sense. What he says is kingdom sense. That's what we need to get back to. We need to get back to, to kingdom sense and only God can do that work in you and do that work in me, but we do have a part to play. We're gonna take communion here in a little bit if the band wants to come on uh, back. And um, if you didn't grab elements, there's elements at the front and back, you might wanna grab those now because we're gonna take communion together. So feel free to stand up. I guess if you wanted to leave, now's a great time. But we're going to take communion together. And, and you know, communion is a simple little, little thing that we do that helps us. It helps us to focus in on the God who leads. And, you know, it, it helps us to focus in on him. And, and, you know, I was thinking about that, the God who leads. You know what? The, that phrase, the God who leads, or that invitation of God, it, it really doesn't mean much if, our, if, if, like, the God who leads doesn't have a lot of meaning until until. We are the people who follow the God who leads. Because now, now, it, you know, now it really it becomes what it's meant to be. And, and so as we're going to take communion here in a little bit, why don't we stand up? I realize that, yeah, we're confused. <laughs> what do we do? Stand up, please. Yeah. If you, and then, but make sure you grab elements. But as we take communion, I just want to encourage us um, just to ask, Lord, Lord, you know, like, as we've been going through this series, The God Who Leads, I hope one of the things that's really become more clear to you is that like, God is so creative and he is so good at communicating with you. And you might go, ah, I hate when you say that because I don't think I've ever heard his voice or I don't think, or, and I get that frustration, but I want to encourage you that he is so committed to teaching you how to, how to recognize his guidance in your life. And so as, you know, as we wrap up this series and talk about you know, what I'm saying here, like I just, in, one of the coolest things to pray to God is, God, like, would you search my heart tonight? Like, as we take communion, would you search my heart? Like, is my common sense? Like, just come, take a look at me, Lord. I mean, I can't hide anyway, so, so just you know, shine the light on me. Is my common sense, is it more, you know, is it more of a relative sense? Like, it's my way. Or is it more of a kingdom sense, your way? Does that make sense? I saw three heads nod. That's, I'll take it. Because understand that this is his plan. Like his commitment to us is to do that work of restoring, of getting us back in the midst of a world that, you know what? 
I don't mean this in a doomsday way, but I think there's going to be lots, of, lots more fracturing. I think the world's going to get even more confusing. And so how do Christians respond? Do we fight for our own personal common sense? I don't think that's going to do it. I think we need to humble ourselves and say, Lord, teach me kingdom sense. Teach me like, hey, hey, tall guy, what do you say? I'm hearing what all these other short people are saying. What do you say right now of what we should do? So I would just, as we take communion, just invite you to ask the Lord to search your heart. So uh, I didn't bring mine. That's okay, though. I'll get it next service. Let me just end with one verse before we take communion. This is the heart of God, the plan of God. Romans 12, 1. Brothers and sisters, God has shown you his mercy. So I'm asking you to offer up your bodies to him while you are still alive. Your bodies are a holy sacrifice that is pleasing to God. When you offer your bodies to God, you are worshiping him in the right way. Thank you. Don't don't live the way this world lives. Let your way of thinking be completely changed. Then you will be able to test what God wants for you. And you will agree that what he wants is right. His plan is good and pleasing. So the God who leads, we welcome you here. The God who for years and years and years has led billions of people. Like you, you know us. And I just pray right now, I I just say, come Lord, come walk among us. As we remember the cross, Jesus, as we remember the the very event that that, uh, removes all obstacles between us and you, I just pray that you would remove all obstacles and come real close right now. We welcome you here. Just come, come search our hearts, search our lives. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, on the night when he was handed over to his enemies, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body. It's given for you. Every time you eat it, do it in memory of me. Let's take the bread. same way after supper he took the cup and he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood every time you drink it do it in memory of me let's take the cup so Lord I pray that you would help us to remember help us to remember you help us to remember you showing ultimate love on the cross so that we could be a people led by you. So just come, Lord. As we go back into worship, I pray that you would just just move among us tonight. We thank you for your presence. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.